Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. Yeah, it's called Conversations with Jeff, not Screaming Matches. Yeah, I, 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 you and I do not agree on Calvinism. But look how nice we are to each other. I think it's going to really shock a lot of people, thrill a lot of people. A lot of people are going to have to do some soul searching. It's like, you know what? What are you doing? You're spending all your time trying to destroy another Christian because you don't understand what's going on when you should be out there winning people for Jesus. Right. Thank you for the job you're doing. Thanks for being willing to address these kind of issues that are vital to the church. I feel sorry for what's coming your way, but God bless you, man. It's it's a good, healthy conversation, and, and let's keep growing together in the Lord. People won't change unless they hear the truth, though, and so we need to know the truth, uh, speak the truth, and then the last one I would say is that we need to stay in the truth uh, no matter what the consequences are. Okay, everybody, welcome to uh, today's episode of Conversations with Jeff. I've uh, been having a lot of fun uh, putting these shows out. We've been putting out a lot of them, so it's been a lot of a lot of new people, a lot of new faces, a lot of new topics, that sort of thing. Before we get started, just wanted to uh, remind you guys, we do have our book, Social Injustice, uh, which we put out um, over the last few months. Um, here, Here's what it looks like. Uh, if you could, As you can see, like we've got a lot of great authors uh, that contributed to it. Uh, people like uh, Andy Woods, Ken Peters, Sam Jones, uh, Mike Spaulding. The list goes on and on. We got a lot of great, uh, you know, contributors for that uh, for that book. If you guys want more information on that, you guys can go to gatekeepersonline.com/store. Use the code Jeff. You can get ten percent off. But basically, with that, we're just taking a look at social justice, comparing it with scripture. Figuring out what's true, what's not true, how to deal with this. Is it a threat? If it is a threat, how do we deal with it? So check that out, uh, gatekeepersonline.com slash store. There's a description there with a lot more information. Check that out. You Again, use the code Jeff. You get 10% off there in the store. Um, so yeah, again, check that out. Uh, and that just kind of goes to help support everything we're doing here at the GK. Uh, really excited about uh, today's uh, podcast. We've got uh, Ryan Ryan Howard uh, joining us. We've been looking forward to doing this for a while. Uh, but for those of you guys that, uh, that don't know, Ryan is running uh, for the Iowa House and uh, glad we could have you on, and uh, we could talk a little politics today. That sounds good. It's great to be here, and congratulations on your book. I've been enjoying my copy of that, so uh, great to see that getting out there and uh, having an influence there. So thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, and, th- and thanks a lot for your support. You know, we we, we first met at the uh, Standing Against Marxism conference out, out in Iowa uh, when, I, when I was out there, and uh, it's been kind of fun following your journey, and now you're jumping into politics, and it's it's... It's it's a lot it's a lot of craziness going on in the world today. I gotta say. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you made the trip over before all this uh, wild shutdowns happened. But yeah, it was great to meet you out here, and that was a uh, a powerful conference, a very eye opening to what's really going on uh, today in America, especially as it with regard to the church and some of the stuff there, and the importance of uh, people standing up for our values and rights. So. Yeah, no, 100%. Now, what made you decide to jump into the world of politics? Because I feel like everybody always has a story or like a motivating factor or something where they're like, okay, this is it, I'm jumping in. For you, what was that moment where you're like, okay, it's time for me to (laughs) jump into this world? Well, you know, I've been really interested in politics for a long time and really starting to see where things are being eroded. Our rights are under attack today and all kinds of wild things going on. And if people aren't willing to speak up, it's just going to continue down that path. And so it's really opened my eyes to it. And uh, I saw I had this epiphany uh, some years ago about work and how God has different kinds of plans for work and how it's not just pastors and missionaries. And so I had this epiphany that, 
you know, my work in business is something God actually wants me to be doing. And I had the same epiphany with politics where it's like there's a healthy interest in politics and it's something that God could actually want us to be engaged in. Uh, and so as I moved forward with that, you know, my wife uh, is from Brazil originally and she became a U.S. citizen late last year. And so we were she's really excited to get into to vote and getting engaged in politics. And so we really just saw we really got to stand up for for uh, our values and the uh, stop the foundation of this nation from being eroded and under attack. And so if we let that go, uh, who knows where it'd go from there. But uh, so decided to really start getting engaged and then saw an opening our district. We've got uh, we do not have conservative representation of our district right now. And so saw the opening there where uh, just it, we've had that for the last a uh, few sessions, but uh, this last one, the last election, turned over to Democratic uh, representatives, so decided we got to get conservative representation back for our district, and so uh, trying to push that agenda forward and, and make sure we can have the, the right voice there. So decided to, hey, put my money where my mouth is, and I'll throw my hat in the ring and, and go after it. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, I know, you know, our mutual friend Sam Jones and I, we've had a lot of these kinds of like conversations as well about, uh, about Christians getting involved in politics. Uh, cause there has been a really big push over the, over the more recent years within some, especially more within like the reformed camp and things like that of, mm-hmm. you know, let's stay out of politics. You know, let, we got to keep it separate, only focus on the gospel. We don't, we don't care about Hollywood. We don't care about politics. We don't care about all these things. You know, essentially, we give, we give that over to Satan. That's his territory. Yeah. And so, right. so w- when you're looking at, okay, look, I'm a believer, a Christian, but at the same time, you want to be involved in politics. What, what, how does that, you know, uh, work out with your within your philosophy and belief system? Well, you know, I, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, I take all my cues from the Word of God. And so, uh, if we actually look at the foundation of this nation, that's what our founders did as well. That's why America is America. That's the values that this nation was founded on. And so, we're actually going back to the way uh, it should be and the way it was originally for this nation. And if we even look throughout the Bible, we see a lot of times we may not have the right lens to look through, but if you look closer, you pay attention. You know, when Joseph... Uh, was stopping the famine or helping with the famine, get through that in Egypt. He was in the government. He was leading the government. He And God gave him answers to problems, uh, and uh, he wasn't leading a church, you know, and, and he had answers to problems that other people couldn't solve. They would, you know, millions of people would have died, and, and uh, he was able to get in there. And we see uh, Nehemiah, even Jesus, he spoke uh, truth to the leaders, uh, political leaders of the time, you know, and there was a lot of greed and corruption and self-centeredness and all that uh, stuff that the people were involved in there, uh, the Jewish leadership as well as Rome, and and we saw Paul speaking up against uh, leaders. I mean, he was in jail literally for not doing what the government told him to do, and so uh, you know, John the Baptist was beheaded. Uh, all kinds of uh, people in the Bible, all from beginning to the end, influencing politics, uh, and so that's where and government, and so that's where for me, um, I want a faith that's active. And goes into every aspect of life. It's not just something that we do on Sunday. And sooner or later, uh, if our nation were to head, continue going down the path that's kind of been on the last few years, it's going to come to a crashing halt. And we see lots of other nations where people don't have the freedom to share the gospel openly. And they literally are going against what the government says uh, to share the gospel. And, you know, that's the path if we don't stand up. And so for me, we don't have an option. There's no there's no separation. And it's time, you know, the church is starting to wake up and see that we do we do need to wake up there. We need to not have this separation. Uh, 
And sooner or later, or we're going to not have a choice whether to talk or not. So for me, that's really just a natural outworking or supernatural, just the outworking of my faith uh, to have that engaged in every aspect of life, including government and politics. And so we're in a representative republic. And so we have a government agency that we're responsible for. And so we actually have a minimum to be, uh, since we're in a representative republic, we choose our governors, our government. And so we have a minimum requirement to be informed on the way God wants government done and to help choose the right leaders uh, to lead us and govern the way it was designed to govern, to be governed. Yeah, and I think and I think it's one of those things, too, where, um, you know, the 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 way that the constitution is set up uh government is supposed to be a government by the people and for the people it's not like you know examples that we saw in the bible where it was like a, either like an emperor or a king or something like that where you know we don't really get a voice like literally the way that our founding fathers set this up is we actually have a voice like every single one of us can kind of lead and uh kind of direct the you know take the direction of our country and i think that's the really cool unique thing about our country over pretty much every other nation in the world and in the history is really how much impact we can have if we just like take a stand and you know make our voices heard to a certain degree yeah that's right and actually if you have a uh... A kingdom like we had like with Pharaoh or a king the only way that works is if you have a fully and true righteous king that rules with justice the way it, it, it God's justice in that way and obviously we don't have that uh, anywhere and we haven't had that throughout history and, and uh, I mean Israel of course had uh, the right leadership but even that when they put an earthly king in place that went downhill and so we in this nation like you said we've got just such a unique perspective and that's why America has been able to be so impactful is because of the foundation we've had and and when we have uh, you know things done in our nation the way they should be we our nation thrives you know and that's where uh, we see you know when when the Bible was taken out of schools when prayer was taken out of schools back in the early 60s all of the indicators of society, like divorce rates and and crime and uh, child, uh, you know, strength of child and education and all this stuff, were going in the positive direction. And that year, the two years there, 62, 63, when those were taken out of the schools, every single indicator started going the opposite direction. Divorce went up, crime went up, violent crime went up, all these sorts of things. And that's that's what you have. And so that's that's where we want to have this righteous leadership in government. And and we, as Christ fathers, are supposed to be holding government accountable. We, we the people, that's why we're here. If they don't do a good job, we get them out and we get someone new in. And, um, and yeah, so we see Trump coming in and starting to do some of that where he's cleaning house and, you know, nobody's perfect. But uh, we definitely uh, seen him start to do some of that. And we need more people to stand up with boldness and that aren't afraid to get out there. Yeah, and and I think and I think too there's the, there's this idea of like separation of church and state and like and like you were saying too is really since we got um you know essentially Christianity out of government out of our public schools and out of you know all that kind of stuff like you were saying we've seen a, a downfall of morality I think in our country as well um and I think a lot of it is because we've gotten so we've got we've gotten so far away from being a pro god society now we're almost like an atheistic anti-god society like yeah. you know there, there's no there's no uh basic morals there's there's no like framework that we all unify around we're so polarized now and i think because there's such polar opposite like world views um and and i, I find that fascinating that in in days of old it, it, was, it was we could debate over things because we all we both wanted the same thing now it seems like there's yeah. this push for socialism and then a push for capitalism there's no middle ground anymore it seems like in politics yeah and there's actually um it's almost like uh you know you you mentioned separation of church and state and that you know that was never uh that was never meant to keep the church out of government that was meant to keep the government out of the church you know and that was uh to 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 not have the government influencing or having a state religion where everybody's forced to worship on Sunday and for you should have freedom and that's what it's all about and that's where um like you said these we've seen all these changes and uh, you know, when we have the right uh, morality there and the right leadership and that sort of thing, then that the nation can thrive, and we see uh, where we need to get back to that. And some of the priorities that this nation has had uh, have really begun to look silly in the last month or two, as we've all been sitting at home and everybody's talking about all these important things that we got to have and get going, and and it's kind of just gone silent because you know when we're fat and happy you know let's work on something else and and whatever but now hey everybody's staying at home taking some time to actually think about what's going on and and what's important and uh you know getting getting us back on track and i'm really hoping and praying that 
a lot of our even church leadership is waking up and taking time to reflect on, hey, have we really been speaking the truth? Or maybe we should be talking about what government's responsibility is and, and coaching our congregations on how to engage as thoughtful believers and, and to be biblically informed on the issues of today. You know, there's a, a survey. Um, I, so I think, I don't know if it was Barna, I don't remember, but it was about how, you know, most pastors don't talk about cultural issues, even though they know the Bible speaks to every serious issue in culture today. And another survey said that congregants, people in the church, want their pastors to be talking about those issues. So where's the disconnect? You know, I, I'm hoping people are starting to wake up to that and bring that conversation. It's not just politicians that should be talking about morality in the culture. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's something where I think that the Christian church in general has really failed is not participating in that discussion, in that debate. We've kind of almost been completely out of culture to the point to where we're not even being heard anymore, uh, which, yeah. I, which I find that really concerning. Uh, for, for you, uh, being out there in Iowa, what are some of the main issues that you guys are facing out there that, that, you're, that you feel like these are some of the things that I really want to deal with. Cause like, I know every single state deals with something different. I know we've got totally different situation out here in California than you've got out there in Iowa. So like, what are, what are going to be some of your uh, main focuses uh, campaigning? And then also, um, you know, after you get elected, what, what are the, some of the things that you actually want to implement and really work on? Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Yeah, so we've got a uh, kind of unique position going out in, down on here in Iowa now. You know, we've got a, a balanced budget. We're fiscally conservative. We've got all Republican representation now, but that's obviously at risk, and we need to make sure we're getting more uh, conservative representation and continuing to keep that. And um, but you know, some of the things going on now is we, you know, we've got to protect our rights. Iowa doesn't have a uh, Second Amendment. We've got. Uh, the people on the left are trying to bring in uh, these red flag laws and all kinds of things there. And so we've got to protect our right to bear arms. We've got to protect the right to life of the unborn. And uh, we've also got to protect our right to free speech and freedom of religion as well. That's all under attack. Uh, it's under attack here in Iowa, just like it is other places. Maybe not as extreme, but it's certainly what people have in mind. Um, and we've also got... Um, you know, in my community, I've been involved with the community for the last decade. I'm originally from this area, and uh, I've been involved with a lot of the nonprofits and making sure a lot of the money that gets donated to these nonprofits are going to high-impact programs. And so what, I, what I'm seeing, though, is that there's barriers standing in the way from Iowans thriving. And one of those is uh, – there's three specific ones that I would want to highlight, but one of those is a child care crisis. You know, right now there's an affordability issue and there's an availability issue. And that impacts our economy here, too. That's actually I was lost over nine hundred million dollars every year because of child care, because of the child care crisis, because that's not available. And that leads to workforce shortages. We lose over six hundred million dollars every year because we don't have enough skilled workforce. You know, in my work, I work with companies that um, I try and help them improve their businesses, their manufacturing operations, their business processes, getting the right, you know, getting the money to the bottom line. And the biggest thing I hear everywhere I go 
is we need people. You know, years ago it was financial issues. Now it's we've got these machines here. We've got the capacity. We need people. And so they're having to come up with creative ways to attract talent to get that, that workforce there that's needed. You know, and another one is uh, we've got high taxes in Iowa. You know, I've got people that I know that spend six months in one day in Arizona and they spend the rest of their time here because then they can have Arizona taxes and uh, not Iowa taxes, you know. And for retirees, geez, even Illinois is not known for having a good tax situation. And even retirees have a better have it better in Illinois than in Iowa. And so we need to lower our corporate taxes and individual taxes. And because I was competing for workforce, so you can see all these issues are kind of intermingled and coming together. And these are barriers standing in the way of Iowa's thriving. And, you know, I know one of the chapters in your book was on income inequality. I think it's the one you wrote. Yeah. And, you know, there's um, something called the welfare cliff. I don't know if you've heard of that, but, um, you know, we, we kind of, a lot of people think that people who are on state assistance uh, want to be there or just are maybe lazy or don't uh, don't want to get off or don't want to get a job or get a raise because then they'll lose that assistance. But it's a little more, there's some more intricacies there where if, if someone has state assistance for, say, child care and state assistance for rent and state assistance for food, then they get a $2 per hour raise. Then they lose, maybe they lose, they get another $300 a month, but they lose a $500 a month benefit. And so they actually have less take home pay. And so they're, so they don't take the raise because they just literally can't afford it. They would lose their house. So they're stuck. And so our government policy is keeping them stuck. And so what I want to do is remove that barrier, help them be able to tear out and, and step off of that because these people want to work for their livelihoods. There's dignity in, in work and respect in work. And so that's another barrier that we need to remove, uh, to help people today. And there's, there's others. Uh, with that as well, like licensing, job licensing, and that sort of thing as well. But removing these barriers and protecting our rights, that's really what we need to make sure we're, we're doing here for Iowa. Yeah, you know, and, and what's interesting too is like, you know, even talking about like like welfare and, you know, and, you know, state assistance and things like that, you know, out, out of a lot of the, uh, you know, uh, let's say welfare ideas out there, um, I thought that Andrew Yang's idea of universal basic income was if we're go- if we're going to be going down that route, at least he wasn't putting like a, a top line like barrier like you know um, you know it, you only get this if you're making less than thirty thousand dollars a year or something like that right because because I felt like at least then it was he was still trying to motivate people to get out and work and and get jobs and start businesses and that sort of thing totally against universal basic income but it's like if you're going to trade yeah. out a lot of these different welfare programs where it's like it's only if you if you're making less than X number of dollars. I would rather yeah. have I would rather have something like that. So if there was some something like even what you're talking about, like tearing out or whatever it is, it just seems like that's going to be a lot more motivating for people to get out of their low in- income situation as opposed like literally I've had conversations with people where they're like, I can't make more money because I'll lose my, you know, either disability or unemployment or whatever it is. I'm like, that's yeah. that's not the way that this system's supposed to be set up. Right. Exactly. And that's what we, we... You know, that's where where we differentiate from what the left wants and what we're wanting as conservatives is we don't want people to be reliant on the government and people don't want to rely on the government. And when, when we start to see that sort of thing, you know, it, it, like Andrew Yang's uh, approach, it's nice, though, when he just kind of says what he really means. You know, he, it, you're, it, he actually is transparent about it, not trying to hide it like it's something else. I don't like the idea but, um, you know, whenever I have a, a philosophy or a policy or something, I, I want to apply it evenly across the board. It should work out to its end. It shouldn't be, well, we work it until we get to this point and then it doesn't make sense anymore. We got to go another route. And it's kind of like it should be philosophically and, you know, it should be reasonable and it should work out into its until the end and not just kind of uh, all these caveats and all these sorts of things. And that's a real general statement, but uh, that kind of applies, though. I mean, we want to make sure that there's depth and a good footing on, on the policies that we have. Right. No, 100%. Now, uh, with with all this stuff going on right now with, like, coronavirus and COVID-19 and just all that kind of stuff, you know, I know out here in California, we've been on, like, complete, like, lockdown since uh, since my birthday, March 16th. Um, what, uh, you know, what's going on out there, um, you know, in, in regards to the, the local government's response to coronavirus? 
Yeah, so we've had uh, we don't we haven't had one of the official um, stay at home executive orders, but we have basically everything in place that's you know all just called something else. I mean, we've got mo- most of the places are shut down. A lot of the restaurants are just doing takeout and bars, the same thing. Uh, there's uh, you know grocery stores are open. A lot of the basics there. Um, all the essential services as well are are open. They're encouraging people to uh, stay at home. That sort of thing. Um, we've had some surprises here with a few things and uh, seeing our governor respond, uh, you know, with like we had some churches that were doing drive in services and, and different things there. And we saw some response there. We saw some other essential services open, uh, staying open and just some clarity coming out. But for the most part, people are encouraged to stay at home. Uh, you go into the grocery store, they've got aisles with, you know, arrows this direction, arrows that direction, just kind of everybody doing their best. You know, I, I'm. I'm doing my best too. I'm wearing the face thing, and uh, when I go out in the store and just doing what I can there. Um, but our uh, manufacturing uh, is working as well. So it's, it's depending on what manufacturing business is, but uh, critical infrastructure uh, is working. So like uh, you know agriculture and construction, all that's working as well. But there's lots of precautions that these companies are needing to take just to be responsible given the current crisis. Yeah, you know, and, and I feel like, especially like within uh, like Christians and stuff, there, there's there's a lot of debate about how to respond to coronavirus. Um, you know, because it's like on one hand, you know, we have freedom of religion and the right to peaceably assemble, and then on the other hand, we've got you, you, we've got uh, you know public safety. We've got people. You know, we need to be you know yeah. taking care of people, make sure that this isn't spreading. So, in, in your kind of like worldview, how do you feel like this is supposed to play out? Do you feel like everything is getting played out the way it should be in the sense of the government response and the church response, or how do you feel like all of this should be going on with coronavirus? Well, I think it's uh, a fine line to walk there, and I think that uh, I don't know if I'd say we're doing it perfectly. I, I don't know that uh, they should be ordering people to not have church or ordering people to not stay home. I do think that churches and uh, businesses have a responsibility to the public to do things in a smart way by the guidelines that we're having. But as far as arresting people, um, you know, for these sorts of things, I mean, Iowa's basically said they'll just the police will just disperse the crowds. And then if it doesn't disperse, it'll, they'll maybe be ticketing. You know, they haven't talked about arresting people. But we've seen, like in North Carolina, the I don't know if you know the Benham brothers, but they uh, have they have these sidewalk counseling where they were actually defined as an essential service uh, by the government. They had a federal nonprofit, and they do sidewalk counseling at these abortion uh, clinics, and they were staying six feet apart. And one of the Benham brothers, David Benham, came and and he actually got arrested. Uh, and there was all kinds of stuff that came out about that. And they're going to be, I think, taking action against the state because that was an unlawful arrest, unconstitutional arrest. So um, we've got uh, – uh, I, I don't think it's being handled perfectly, but I think that uh, the citizens have responded by speaking up, uh, especially some of the church leadership here in Iowa that I've seen uh, as well. Uh, not everybody, but it's definitely nice to see the our leadership in this state has responded, not perfectly, but they've responded uh, to some of those calls for uh, changes in the policy and updates and essential services and all that. But I think we need to be very careful. We start trying to tell people they can't uh, assemble and they can't do these sorts of things. And, and uh, we need to make sure we're protecting those rights. Right. Now, now I kind of have a little bit of a philosophical question for you when it comes to like your view on like politics and, you know, especially like Christians involvement and things like that. Um, so like, is it, is it more of your take? Uh, when you're looking at, you know, let's say laws that you're going to be looking to pass or things like that, is are you looking more to uh, enforce um, like God's laws and, and pass that into legislation? Or are you more looking at, you know, just just enforcing like constitution and doing what's best for freedom for everybody? Because I know, that, again, that's that's a big debate within uh, the Christian circles as well. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, the, the the Constitution was written by people who were well-informed on this 2,000-year-old book called the Bible that's 66 different books written by 40 different authors and covers a wide variety of topics. It's all one congruent story, and it's God's Word. And so enforcing the Constitution and our rights, you know, our, our the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, we have these inalienable rights, and those rights can't be infringed upon. And so uh, we need to I, – I want to – I'm a constitutional conservative – I want to original constitution and I want to make sure that we're enforcing that and protecting that. But, you know, there may be some areas where we need to get into what should the government really be legislating. And I think that 
that we want to have uh, Iowans, we want to have Americans thriving. And so for me, it's not necessarily about God's laws. I mean, yeah, we want, I, I want uh, God's morality, all these sorts of things where that comes into question. We need to have that implemented so that we, uh, that we can thrive. I mean, we see when we have families together raising children, that's what's best for them. All the research just happens to support what the Bible says is the best way to operate. And so that's what we've got, these 50 years of research and all kinds of things uh, that says what we need to do there. So, um, you know, I think I'm not necessarily interested in being politically correct all the time. I just would rather be correct and have uh, have the right things to help uh, Iowans thrive, thrive, you know, and, and uh, America as well. But I don't think, uh, you know, when we talk about legislating morality, I mean, everything is morality when we're legislating i mean not murdering not uh abusing people not do all that stuff is our moral questions and so uh, i'm definitely for protecting our rights uh and and making sure that we're not promoting something uh with legislation that's actually harmful to people you know the government should be um the the government should be restraining evil and promoting good it shouldn't be setting up people uh, to fail with uh, legislating some things that are not going to be best for people. Yeah. Now, now, uh, you know, kind of talking about that too, but kind of leading into a little bit of the dealing with like abortion and pro-life and things like that. How is that out there in, in Iowa? You know, cause again, I'm out here in extremely progressive California. I'm sure it's a totally different ball game than, than what's going on in Iowa. But, uh, so what, what's going on in your local area in regards to, uh, the pro-life movement? Yeah, so uh, we we do have uh, plenty of those clinics here where abortion is available. Uh, we do have a lot of people who are passionate about that here, but we've got a lot of people, even on the left, uh, that are pro-life, that want to protect a baby, a, an unborn baby's right to life. And so uh, we've seen the Democratic Party kind of push those people out of their party and say they're not welcome now. Um, but, you know, here in Iowa, we have... Uh, we passed some legislation that was called the first heartbeat bill. And then actually um, the uh, judges said that was unconstitutional and they somehow found a right to abortion in our Iowa constitution. And so that's uh, there's legislation going on now to push that through to get an amendment uh, added to, to literally just say our constitution doesn't guarantee abortion. And, and that will go through, have to go through two sessions. This was the first one to go through. It'd be the next one as well. And then it would go to the people for a vote. And, you know, that's something that even with this COVID-19 crisis, our governor came out and said abortion is not an essential services. They, they you know, we canceled all uh, all um, non-emergency surgeries, and that included abortion. Well, very quickly, the ACLU came out and gave uh, opened a lawsuit and basically came up with some fancy wording and some ruling and ended up saying, okay, after 20 weeks and some technical thing, okay, women risky. And then basically the conclusion is, okay, they can go back to to doing that and seeing all their patients. And so that's disappointing to see. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website, at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. 
uh, to see that as well. But, you know, there are lots of people who are very passionate about, about that issue and want to see these babies thriving. You know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, my wife and I have like an in-home daycare. Um, we've got, we're foster parents as well. And, you know, we're doing everything. I'm on the child care coalition in our County and we've got, uh, I'm doing lots of things here with adoption services and everything to try and remove some of those barriers so that it's not about just, Hey, don't kill, uh, the baby. Uh, but we want to help the women that are going through this difficult time to be able to, 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 you know, live life, whether they want to go through it and have adoption or they want to raise it themselves, but to have those services available to them and remove some of those barriers because we know it's a, a very difficult situation to be in for a lot of these, uh, people and we want to, you know, I want to move towards that. And that's what we see here. We have people have soft hearts. You know, we know it's not just oh so simple. But uh, we need to work toward real solutions to help get at the root cause of the issue. That's what I have to do in my work is not just put Band-Aids on things, but solve the root cause of the issue and help uh, help get it together so it'll thrive for the long term, not just some short-term solution that will help one segment of society. Yeah, and, and I feel like that that tends to be like a criticism of conservatives is is it's like okay, so you know we're we're against you know big government like involvement and things like that, but then we're also against abortion, and then they always say, well, if you're not going to have welfare and not have all these things, then how then what's going to happen to that baby when they you know are born and they're in poverty and all that kind of stuff, and that's where I feel like we as Christians and conservatives should be stepping up and kind of filling that void on our own and not relying on the government to do that. Um, you know, and, and just make it to where the government doesn't feel like they have to, you know, step in. It's like, let's take that, let's take that back, I think. Yeah. And there's lots of ministries, uh, and nonprofit organizations that have popped up to help with that. They don't get a lot of coverage, but, but they're, they're there, you know, and that's something I agree, man. Uh, uh everything that, uh, we see the government doing to help that the church should be the first ones standing up to go and help and to be putting our money into that. Maybe not necessarily in a new smoke machine, but into into those sorts of services where and I'm not saying I have a thing against smoke machines. But, you know, w- what we need to have is is the church responding to meet the needs of the community. You know, I follow um, I have this this blog, Your Faith at Work and helping people connect their faith to their daily work and transforming the way they work and doing that. And there's a, a company out in uh in Australia, that they've got, uh, it's called Kingdom Investors, and what they've actually have is they're starting a new model for churches where their church is actually it's it's a huge building. They're funding the church through business, um, also through the, the the people that go to that church. But they've actually opened businesses in their church. Their church building saw the needs. They had daycare needs in their community. They they had uh, a, g- a need for a gymnasium, a need for uh, teaching different things, and and so all of the they opened five different businesses in this huge building. That they got this great deal on, and then now they're, they're, that part of the community is thriving, and the church is the ones doing that. And they've got these, uh, you know, helping with adoption services too, and all sorts. Of, they call it future church, and so uh, it's a way that the church can step up and meet the needs of the community. And, and we do see a lot of that happening, you know, in our community here, where the church does do a lot. And so, and there's amazing uh, ministries here too that help people. Uh, but we need to keep, uh, like you said. We shouldn't be relying on the government for that. The government should be equipping uh, people and incentivizing churches and different sorts of things to and, and nonprofits to help provide those services, like you said, so the government doesn't have to. Right, right. And, you know, and, and I know we were kind of talking earlier, but I think, I think it kind of t- ties in with it as well. But you were talking about, like, the issue with, like, daycare and, and things like that. And that was one of the things that, that you wanted to um, – Wanted, wanted to be working on, uh, you know, with, with it within your local government and things like that. Uh, so, what what would be some of your solutions for you know the childcare you know issue that that you were citing earlier? Yeah. So one of the things, uh, you know, let, you know, brain research shows the importance of zero to five years old and how that is the most critical time in a child's life for their brain development. And basically, after that, five to seven years, they start losing connections. So they're making all these connections. And helping, uh, you know, there's a gap between, uh, and that, that means we need high quality child care to where those connections are being made uh, for brain development. And one of the things uh, we see here is that there's a gap between what the market can afford and, and what the 
childcare centers and providers can be paid. And so there, it, it just makes it affordability issue and availability. And so one of the things we're seeing is it's really a, needs to be a community solution where we have businesses coming together. We have childcare providers coming together. We have legislators coming together, parents, everybody, the community coming together to solve these issues. And that could be uh, a company now, instead of just offering a 401k match or something like that, they're offering maybe uh, to, to pay for some sort of, some part of daycare or to reimburse something or to some companies are even having daycare centers on site or they're partnering with um, local uh, providers to open a new daycare community and op- open a new daycare. And then they'll, you know, put a certain amount of money into it because they're seeing that they're in, their employees need daycare in order to come to work. And if there's a problem, there's lots of people that are uh, have absenteeism issues because of directly related to daycare issues. And so companies are starting to see the importance of that. And this coalition that I mentioned earlier is actually a lot of companies come together to help solve this problem. And then the, the, the legislation can come in to help incentivize that, incentivize companies to uh, maybe there's deductions that can come in. Um, where we can make those sorts of recommendations where uh, deductions for taxes or uh, credits or what, you know, there's different ways to get creative with that. Uh, but really removing some of those barriers so that companies are starting to incentivize uh, uh, providers and employees. to It's actually a benefit now to come be a part of that company. So those are just a few of the things that uh, are kind of in conversation now to see how those would work out. And I'd be excited to get in there and continue moving those forward to get the details knocked out. Uh, and make sure it's a, it's a the, what's best for the community as a whole, uh, families, businesses, uh, providers as well. Yeah, you know, and, and what's interesting too, especially about like uh, a lot like this debate too, because it, it seems like it's happening a lot on the federal level, and it seems and it seems to me like it should be more of a discussion that should be happening on the state, maybe even like the smaller, you know, like local cities or counties or something like that, because it seems like yeah. every single uh, area is is different, different income levels, different, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, like out, out here in California, like the cost of things are astronomical, I guarantee you, compared to almost anywhere else in the country. Um, and, yeah. and, and that's where I feel like we do need to be having those debates, but in conversations, but it needs to be happening more on like the local level within the local communities, kind of like what you were talking about to actually come up with the right solutions. Yeah, that's right. And, and I think that uh, local control is better. You know, big government uh, is is a problem and, and they don't know what's what's going on here, what's needed in Waterloo, Iowa, Cedar Falls, Iowa, Hudson, Iowa. They don't they don't know over in Washington, D.C. My I got to go out there here late uh, a few months ago. And it's just a, it is. I mean, we know it's completely different. We don't have to go there to see that. And the same thing with California. And so local decisions, the more local we can make these kinds of uh, funding decisions and these sorts of community solutions, the better. Even certain parts of Waterloo, one of the cities uh, around here that's in my dis- district, even even different parts of Waterloo have different needs in, in the school communities and even in Cedar Falls. And so it, even just in this little cluster of a few hundred thousand people or you know, 150,000 people, uh, it's, we see differences. And so, yeah, the more local we can be in some of that control, the better. Yeah. Now, do you feel like there's any uh, any particular issues that are, let's say, being run by the federal government or debated on the federal level that we should be taking away from the federal side of things and then bringing it back to the states? Because, again, that's that's one of those uh, things that a lot of conservatives are talking about is, again, big government, you know, you know, things, you know, we need to get stuff back to the local states. What are some of those issues that you feel like should be brought back to the states for those kinds of conversations? Well, education is obviously a big one that uh, we we should have at a local level. Uh, again, the local uh, parents are responsible for the education of their children and the curriculum and all those sorts of things. What the parents want their children taught that should be more at a state or even a community level, where or even at a school level where the parents are deciding that and giving input to that, not this big federal. Uh, you know, the, the the workforce needs in Iowa are different than the workforce needs in New York. And what we need to be educated for, that should be able to be part of the, our community's control and not just the same one size fits all. I mean, there's certain things like reading uh, that's needed. And I've in my I mentor youth as well. And I've seen the the difference that, uh, you know, reading at by third grade can make in a child's life. If they can read at grade level by third grade, they're going to be they're going to do well academically on average. And if they're not at grade level by third grade, they're going to be behind and struggle the rest of their career. It's kind of a cutoff. And I've seen the difference that can make in a child's life. But, you know, just making sure that that local uh, 
communities and parents are, are the ones making the decisions there. That's probably a big one uh, that I would say we need to have and, and, and move that direction. Yeah, and, and, and it seems like ever since we've been really federalizing uh, like the education system, it seems like obviously like education's gotten worse. Um, you know, like training's gotten <laughs> training's gotten worse. You know, not 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 to say you know not not to throw them completely under the bus, but it seems like everything the federal government touches seems to get worse. It's like uh, you know a common theme. True. But but I think like it's one of those things where when we're dealing with the education system specifically. Like, again, different people are coming from different backgrounds. Different people are coming with different experiences. And it need, I feel like we need it more kind of like uh, fluid and adjustable, which is easier to do on a local level than it is on the big federal level where we're basically treating Los Angeles and Des Moines and Seattle and Houston like yeah. all exactly the same. Yeah, and, you know, one of the things that I uh, – like you said, everything the government touches, it seems to just – not go the right direction and and, and so, of course there's nuances and at intricacies that yeah it, it's great and it's good but in general I, I mean i agree with that i think that and we need people that's why I've, i mean i've been working in business i've got uh i'm working with this my wife and i have this in-home daycare as well i'm working for uh john deere large manufacturer and i've got a blog and a podcast all this other stuff i'm doing but there are solutions that our government comes up with that would never fly in any of those other areas or any of the other industries. I mean, you know what? Let's just charge more. Let's just have more revenue. Let's just high, raise taxes. You know, I mean, that there. let's cut costs. I mean, if something's not working, we've got to take a closer look at it. And now, I mean, there's serious cost cutting going on right now where people are really looking at their books and saying, what can we do? What can we change? How can we keep these people on board? And there's solutions where we get more creative when we can't just press a button and say raise taxes. You know, there's lots of uh, ways that we can kind of remove those costs and, and come up with better solutions, partnering with the right people coming in uh, in, the, in the communities. And that's why I want to get in there as that's what I've been doing is solving problems for manufacturers and, low, and different businesses. And that's why I want to get in and take that experience and knowledge and getting root causes of problems solved and take that into the government so we can make sure that we're setting up Iowa to let Iowa thrive for the future. Yeah. And, you know, and one of the one of the concerns that I have uh, coming out of this coronavirus uh, issue, because, I mean, so many so many businesses are shut down, so many people have lost their jobs, um, you know, on unemployment, things like that. And, you know, but then you begin to look forward towards like taxes and, you know, how are we going to be funding the government? How are we going to be funding the local governments? Things like that. It yeah. seems like it's going to be this chain reaction of, you know, at a certain point, we're either going to have to raise taxes than everybody, which is going to make it even worse for the individual workers, or we're going to mm -hmm. have to start cutting programs, which is kind of what conservatives have been wanting for the longest time. So like, what, what do you, what do you think is going to be like the answer and the solution to actually get the economy back and going? Yeah, well, you know, for Iowa, we've actually got a balanced budget, and and um, when the, when we've had con when we had Republican control, now it, it was big big debt, and now it's back to fiscally conservative and responsible, and actually adding to the emergency fund. Uh, so we have that in Iowa, but obviously, uh, we're going to have to take a serious look at some of the programs and some of the ways that we're using the money, and and on a federal level as well. And so I think that uh, you know. That's why we need that's why I want to get in there is to help solve this problem. And, and we see, um, you know, when we have something like this coronavirus come up, uh, we see we everybody sobers up really quickly to say to, to get real, you know, to have a realistic view of reality. I mean, even some of the wild ideas we normally hear from the left, even some of them are starting to just kind of sound more reasonable with what they're saying. It's, it's not perfect, but. Um, I think that that we need to make sure that we're coming in and not overdoing it. And we know we've seen some rights that are being stepped on, and we need to stand up for that. And we also need to be careful to put the to get the right people in office. I mean, it's it's thank God it's an election season, so that we can make sure that we do have the right decision makers in there coming out of this for the next uh, the next season that we're going to have. Yeah, and I think I think what's interesting too, since it is election cycle, it's interesting because I feel like to a certain degree it might be keeping people accountable to where if this was like let's say in the middle of their term, they may be making totally yeah. different decisions than they are now. I mean, we have been seeing like a lot of big government overreach, some power grabs, but I just wonder if it was 2018 instead of 2020, would it have been that much worse? I don't know. Yeah, that that's a great point. I think now, I mean, you as an elected official, we we should always be close to the citizens you're representing but i think now like you said 
we've seen some pretty big disconnects, uh, especially on the federal level, for what the priorities are and how they're trying to shove all this stuff in there that has nothing to do with the uh, COVID-19. And like you said, people are looking, people are watching, people are taking a healthy interest. You know, I think that's one thing that Trump did was he kind of made people who weren't interested in politics. Now they're people are paying attention. And so, especially with all this stuff going on, there's a magnifying glass and people are getting informed. And, you know, as I'm, I'm calling voters every day now, even, you know, our, my, our campaign has changed. We can't really knock on doors right now. So we're doing a lot of calls and trying to uh, encourage people to do early voting, you know, absentee ballots. Our, our primary is on June 2nd and early voting starts on April 23rd. So I'm trying to reach out to people and let them know they can do that and, and make sure they're voting for Ryan Howard so we can let Iowa thrive. And, and that's just, uh, that's something too coming out of this that, you know, our elected officials need to stay close to what the people on the ground are telling them so that they can make sure they're responding and, and, uh, and the people will hold them accountable. Yeah. You know, and that's one of those things like I've, I've said about, um, you know, cause like a lot, a lot of my shows I deal with like theology and church and things like that. And that's the thing I've said yeah. about, about a lot of pastors is, you know, you need to be going through life with people. And I feel like it's the same thing with, with politicians is, you know, you know, what, what's, what's ended up happening is you have these career politicians, they go in, they go to like, you know, especially on the federal level, they go to Washington, DC, they pretty much live in Washington, DC and they're hardly ever back home yeah. and they're not living under their laws. And I think it is important that we are having a lot of these new fresh faces, people that are actually living under the current laws that are running, that are running for office and things like that, because it's, it's important that again, you're going through life with the people where your decisions are actually affecting them. Yeah, and that's something that uh, I think our founding fathers, I don't think they really intended for people to be career politicians. You know, they, they kind of went and put their, put their time in and then they kind of had to put up with all the disruption in their life and then go back to their farm or go back to whatever they were doing before their shop. And today, I mean, we see people going in and coming out just you know, filthy rich and uh, not that it's a problem being rich, but I'm not sure they're coming that uh, the way they should be. And so that's something that, yeah, we need turnover. It's good. We, we have, I mean, we have a lot of elected officials that have been in office for a long time that are doing a great job. So I don't mean to say that about anybody, but I mean, you know, Chuck Grassley, he's one of the senators from Iowa that's been there for decades and he's done a lot uh, for the state and for this government. He's very well respected. Uh, but, you know, many of them uh, just we need turnover. We need, like you said, people who are living under these laws and are fired up and ready to get in there and make the changes. And that's exactly what happened to me where I'm saying I'm seeing all this stuff going on around me. I get let me get in there and we'll and we'll help solve some of these issues so that we can get, you know, keep everything right on the right path. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, how, how do you feel like the the with de, kind of back to the coronavirus stuff? How do you feel like the relationship has been between Iowa and the federal government in dealing with the reaction to COVID nineteen? Has, has there been the support and all that kind of stuff? Because everybody, I feel like everybody talks about New York, Seattle, and L A. So those are kind of the hot spots. But have there, have there been issues with COVID nineteen in Iowa? And has there been the support and help and stuff from the federal government, like what we're seeing in like New York and things like that? Well, you know, we've seen uh, the small business loan, the PPP loans that came out, the, the paycheck protection. So that's obviously was available to Iowans. And I know a lot of uh, companies are going through that today. Uh, we've saw we've seen some criticism from our congresswoman uh, from the first district uh, asking our governor to make uh, the stay at home announcement. But we've seen from Dr. Fauci from uh, the administration there saying I was doing a great job uh, there. So um, I think we're we're getting good back and forth with what we need, but uh, it's just a trying time. Every day is changing. And uh, we're seeing, you know, when I'm ca- talking to voters, I'm saying, hey, what's most important on your mind today? And it's almost a silly question because obviously everybody is going to say COVID-19. And it's kind of like, well, hey, how about three months ago? What did you care about then? Well, you know, we've got uh, the priorities and the agendas that we need to keep moving forward in this time, but we can't take our eye off the ball as well with those things. But we need to make sure we're going to get come out of this crisis uh, as well, and not 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 putting the swing the swinging the pendulum too far the other way. So, um, but so far, yeah, I mean it's been okay uh, going here with that partnership there. 
Yeah. Now, do you do you feel like uh, people in Iowa? Do you feel like they are? It's like they're part of the part of the gr- group where they're like, okay, we, let's just let's just reopen everything, go back to business as normal. Because it seems like there's a big push within like the right and the conservatives and things like that to let's just open everything back up, go back to business as usual and things like that. Or do you feel like they're more like it is out here in California, where everybody? I think I think they said like ninety percent of people are totally fine with staying at home in California. So it's like, how do you, how do you feel like the response is from Iowans themselves? Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com dash spirit park. Yeah, so I haven't seen statistics on it, but uh, you know, from my conversations and just what I've been seeing is that I, I think people do want to go back. They don't want to go back to normal. I think there was some things that uh, we should never go back to with the way things were operating. But uh, we have seen where a lot of people just say, "Hey, people are responsible. Put the guidelines out. Let them go back uh, and do things appropriately for their business." Uh, but I think uh, you know, it's been uh, people. Some people have been able to take advantage of being able to stay stay at home or work from home and others are really suffering big time. And so uh, there's lots of different reasons for lots of different opinions. But uh, yeah, we, we see that definitely, uh, you know, we want people to make sure they're being responsible, but it's really uh, important what we're seeing, how we handle this coming out of it uh, to make sure we're, we're not maybe coming out too soon, but also not staying too long so that we can make sure that we uh, don't wreck the economy and have even more problems uh, with families and personal uh from personal perspective as well yeah you know one of the things that's like out here in california that they're talking about is like uh you know because obviously out here it's california so you know it's (laughs) it's 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 the entertainment you know capital and just like everything but like they're talking about like you know they're not going to allow like sporting events to happen in arenas they're not going to allow concerts which is huge out here or or shows or you know whatever it is um, like how, how is, how is that going to be playing out in Iowa? Like larger gatherings or things like that? Are, do you know if they're kind of thinking long-term, okay, we're going to keep that at bay for a while or, you know, you know, again, that's one of those debates that's going on right now. Yeah. I think that's conversation is getting started now. I, it's not something that I've seen a whole lot, uh, being talked about, but I know there's some very strong opinions on both sides of that, uh, as well. But I, and I think that's something that we need to make sure we are having a fully well-informed conversation on that. I think there's too many times where, you know, it's kind of this economics 101 where we just look at one segment and we say, how can we make that that segment thrive instead of looking, or we look short-term instead of looking, okay, let's look at the big picture. Let's look at all segments of society, all people, and look at long-term as well. And that's something that that's the kind of solutions that I have to come up with every day in my work, and that's the kind of solutions that our government should be coming up with, and that's why I want to make sure I can get in there uh, to have that long-term vision. And so that's something for this coming out of this and how we handle it when we open back up. We obviously are going to need to have a very thoughtful conversation about that. Yeah. Now, now, how are you? How are you enjoying the process of you know running running for office? Do you find you find like it's a lot of fun, or is it like stressful? Like, like how how is that working out for you? I, I, I'm enjoying it. You know, my wife and I are having a blast. She's helping manage uh, some of the campaign parts, too. And, and we've had to make some adjustments uh, in our life. But it's nice to be able to talk to lots of voters and just hear what they have to say and uh, see a lot of the places where my passions are crossed with their passions. And we we want to see the same thing. So, you know, remove these barriers, protect our rights, let Iowans thrive. And the whole process has been a lot of fun, a lot of great networking and different people we've got to meet. Uh, getting involved with a lot of different organizations as well and just kind of getting in front of people and getting to know people and 
uh, seeing what they care about most. And, and people are excited. I mean, there's, I've had lots of people, um, you know, coming and saying they want to support our campaign. What can they do? Uh, you know, volunteering, contributing, um, you know, sharing the message, that sort of thing as well. So uh, we've really enjoyed it. It's been obviously a, a big disruption, but that we, you know, we came in with our eyes fully wide open. So excited to continue serving. We've been serving our community for years, and we, this is just another way that we can step up and serve our community. Yeah, for sure. And then kind of kind of as we're wrapping up as well, but like if you wanted to leave something with anybody from Iowa that's watching this or, you know, potential voters or things like that, like what's your I don't I don't want to call it like a pitch, but like what what's your, what's your message uh, you know, to them as, you know, vote vote for you as yeah. you know, for for your for your local uh, government official. Yeah, hey, that's a great uh, question. So, you know, I've got uh, we've got on Facebook at Ryan Howard for Iowa and we're on uh our website's ryanhowardforiowa.com, and we've been doing a lot of lives uh, as well and putting things out. But my message would be, hey, we want to let Iowa thrive. We've got these rights that are under attack. We've got barriers that are standing in the way. We need to protect the rights. We need to remove the barriers. And we need people who have been stepping up to serve our community like I've been doing in the last you know decade or so in a lot of these high-impact areas. And I understand what our community needs, and I want to take that passion, that compassion, uh, for helping our community thrive and get that down to the state house and get things uh, in place for our district uh, and for Iowa as well. So definitely I uh, want support Ryan Howard for Iowa so we can uh, let businesses thrive, let uh, let children thrive, let families thrive, let individuals thrive and, and let Iowa thrive. Yeah, definitely. And, and then uh, people want to follow you like on, on like the socials. I know you just mentioned like the website and things like that. But what's the best way for people to like be in touch with you and keep up on, you know, your messaging and like what you're saying, and what you're doing and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so uh, Facebook's a great one, Ryan Howard for Iowa, and then also the website, RyanHowardForIowa.com. They can sign up through the email there to make sure they're staying in touch uh, as well. There's also a way they can email me directly, contact at RyanHowardForIowa.com, and, and that's a way that they can be in touch uh, and make sure they're letting me know what they care about and that we're talking about uh, what matters to them. Yeah, definitely. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. I, I, had, a, I had a blast kind of running through a lot of those issues. Again, again, it's it's like important conversations to kind of constantly be having, especially here in America in general with just all the craziness. We still got to talk yeah. through all the issues, you know? Yep, that's right. So appreciate you having me on and congrats again on the book. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So I look forward to talking more soon. Yeah, definitely. Sounds good. And then uh, everybody else as well. Um, just uh, stay in tune tomorrow morning. We'll be back uh, with an episode of America Held Hostage podcast, bringing you the date, your daily news from a conservative Christian uh, worldview. And then um, on Monday, gonna I'm having a uh, guest here on Conversations with Jeff, uh, Dennis Akajanian, who is a world record holder uh, from playing guitar. He used to tour with Billy Graham all, all the time and that sort of thing. So uh, tune in on Monday for uh, my conversation with Dennis Akajanian. And then, uh, yeah, we shall uh, see you guys then. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Happy Holidays from all of us at Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC.